you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. And we've been we've been going through Matthew as a church. Uh, these last few months uh, to try and get an idea of of who who Jesus is and and what um, what it means to follow him what it means to be a disciple and as I was thinking about this this passage it kind of came up chapter 10 and I was I was reading through it and I was like ah, I don't know about that one I, I kind of want to skip over that one it's a it's not a fun passage for me I'll be honest um, because it challenges us and it challenges me in a lot of ways uh, when I think about what um, what it means to be a disciple and what God thinks we're, we're capable of. And so I was thinking about um, what, uh, what we're capable of and, and something that always surprises me just for better or for worse ever since having a kid uh, is, is what our, our first child foster is capable of. Because my understanding of what he can do is way lower often than what he actually can do. And I remember the first time uh, he loves miniature golf. We've been playing mini golf since he could walk. You know, that's something that he and I do together. And my dream was always uh, to get him to play a mini golf hole without picking the ball up with his hands, right? And it was always a challenge and it was a good test of my own response to someone who was thwarting my dreams. Um, but I'll never forget the first time that he, he played a mini golf hole without touching the ball. And, and it was amazing. Like if he, if he plays his cards right, like if he, if he slows down and takes a breath and he actually, you know, squares his feet. I don't know anything about golf, so I'm probably teaching him wrong. Uh, he holds the putter down and he really like looks and hits it. Like he can actually make these amazing putts. And I remember when he was like two and a half years old, he's getting like two shots into the cup. Now, if he goes fast, it's a disaster. But uh, it was amazing. I just didn't think it was possible that somebody who is just walking uh, could, could do that. Um, I'll never forget the first time that Foster dressed himself. I, I think it may have been the best day of my life so far because here I am pulling his clothes out, and he's like, no, Dad. Dad, I'll take care of it. And I'm like, okay. And so I walked out of the room, and I came back in the room, and he was dressed like, it was amazing, and now he dresses himself every day, which everybody can tell because he likes certain things. Um, <clears throat> there are certain shirts that get a lot of use, uh, believe it or not. Um, I'll, I'll never forget uh, the first time that he showed me he was uh, capable of pulling himself up onto our TV stand um, using just his upper arm strength. Um, that was scary. Um, or, or the first time that he climbed onto the kitchen counter to grab his candy out of the top shelf of the pantry. I didn't know he was capable of that, and I was quite scared when he showed me what he had gotten and where he had gotten it from. Uh, and, and each time he does this, um, each time he surprises me um, with what he's capable of, I, I realize that I set the bar for him so low. Like, what I think he's capable of is, is so much lower than what he is, and, and evidently I'm setting the Oreos too low as well. Because he's always capable of more than I think. And one of the challenges for me as a, as a parent, and I think all of us, I don't care what you do for a living, you kind of wrestle with this question. And the question is, like, what can we 
expect out of others? Like for me, like what can I expect Foster is capable of doing? You know, is he, is he capable of putting his toys away? Uh, probably. Um, do I raise him to that standard? Maybe not as often as I should. Um, but I think all of us are kind of in the middle of a, a moment about expectations and, and what's fair to ask of somebody and what's maybe too much. Um, and it's especially true at the church. You know, you, many of you who have been around here a long time tell me stories of what um, kind of the, the old expectations were of like a church-going person. You know, I, I hear stories about that time that, you know, people always tell me this story and it cracks me up that you couldn't make it to church on Sunday so you had to hide behind your house when the people were like driving by your house because if you didn't, you'd get calls and like, what were you doing out there playing? You're supposed to be in church, right? Uh, or, or, you know, the other expectation, you know, uh, somebody has, has shared this here, I, I believe, um, that they actually left this church for a, a number of years because uh, they got elected homecoming king and had to go to the dance. And it was just too much for the church to handle that somebody would go to a dance, right? There was this, this crazy high standard of around this specific thing that it was driving people away and it was, it was hurting people, right? And I think um, as, a, as a pastor and as a church, and I think no matter what industry you're in, you're dealing with this all the time, is we got burned by those like crazy ridiculous expectations. And so our answer for that was we just have to drop the bar as low as possible, and, and I, I grew up in, in that culture where the expectations for me were, were very low. It was easy to uh, exceed those expectations. And I think uh, there's a little trouble there too, right? Because if you ask a lot from somebody, it might crush them. They might not be able to do it. If you ask too much from somebody, they might just walk away. But if you don't ask enough of somebody, they're going to be bored. They're not going not gonna to get anywhere. And I think about this with, with Foster all the time. Um, and so, uh, as I look at this, uh, this scripture passage, it just makes me think of what um, Jesus apparently thinks his disciples are, are capable of. Our, our scripture is an example of a time uh, in history where Jesus set a group of people to a task. And he asked them to do something uh, more than I think I would ever ask anybody to do. Um, and so it, it's kind of a challenging passage, and we already, we already read through it. But I just want to give a little background. As, as Adrian read, you know, Jesus is done. He's done a big chunk of teaching. We already talked about that. Then he did a whole bunch of miracles. And now Jesus is looking around at the people. He's looking at all these people. You know, he came to, to save uh, Israel, this uh, Messiah for Israel that's eventually going to save the whole world. But he wants to start with Israel. And so um, he looks around and he sees all of these people that need help, right? He sees sick people and hurt people and people that need this kingdom, the kingdom of God to come into their lives. And he's, and he's like, I'm only one person and there's not enough of me to do this job. And so he sends his 12 uh, closest disciples and he calls them apostles to go be little versions of Jesus all throughout the nation of Israel. That's what he's asking them to do. It's a pretty, pretty, intense, uh, pretty intense thing to ask. And he, and he gives them um, what I think might just be the worst um, like pep talk I've ever heard, right? So they're getting ready to go out, and, and Jesus is like, okay, guys, like, get ready. Go out, and, and as, you heard, as you heard Adrian read, uh, he said, okay, now don't bring any money with you. Um, don't worry, people will provide for you. He says, I'm, I'm sending you out like sheep with wolves. Uh, 
Um, so look out. He's saying, I'm sending you out. Be on your guard because you're going to be captured uh, by local synagogues and flogged. Um, he says, look out uh, because people are going to arrest you. He says, oh, by the way, look out because a brother is going to turn against brother. The, the people that you love, right? The people in your family that you trust, that you know better than anyone else. Uh, Jesus says, oh, guess what? Those people are going to turn their back on you. Um, Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You think you have trouble with your kids, right? Um, he, says, he says, when you're persecuted in one place, he says, when it's really bad in one town, don't worry, you can run away to a different town to be persecuted in. He says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. He says, I, I came to turn a mother against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. If, if you're on, on Jesus' football team and you guys are getting ready to go out on the field, this is, it's horrible. Who wants to hear this, right? You're going to get knocked down, and guess what? You're going to get up, and you're going to get knocked down again. Um, it's, it's scary. Um, and, and I read this, and I'm like, like, Jesus, come on. Like, chill out a little bit. Where's the where's the nice the nice stuff and and for me I'm I'm hearing this and I don't know about you but as I read this it's like Jesus is asking for this right he's asking for so much it's the highest if you want to talk about like a challenge it's like the highest possible challenge uh, one of the highest challenges in all of scripture he says this is going to be hard and it's not going to go well and the question that's in my mind as I read this is why do they do it. Right? Why doesn't this crush them? Why don't they hear these crazy expectations, the tragedy on the way, and say, you know what, Jesus, actually I was doing okay before I met you. I'll just go back to my normal life. Uh, and it's amazing because they, they don't do that, right? They follow him uh, on this crazy journey, and they, they experience all of these things. And not just those 12 apostles, um, uh, the people that follow Jesus through the rest of Scripture. Like there's a guy in the book of Acts named Stephen, Right? Uh, Stephen joins a church. <clears throat> He's basically like the treats ministry at the church. They've got some widows that need to be fed. And Stephen's like, oh, you know what? I love people. Love caring for people. I love feeding people. Um, and so he signs up to do that. And that leads him to getting, getting stoned to death. <laughs> so, so, so Stephen or Paul, right? Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is not only deals with shipwrecks, like natural disasters, but he's opposed everywhere he goes. People are always turning on him. Uh, the, first, the first churches for the first few hundred years, they all followed, even though uh, they were being captured and uh, fed to lions. And even today, we have Christians all over the world that suffer um, persecution and struggle and bad times, all because they uh, profess Christ. Um, and so it's amazing to me that all of those people, for some reason, why, uh, why aren't they crushed by that reality? Um, because, like, if, if that were me, I, I don't know. I mean, even the slightest pushback, I'm like, oh, maybe I should go a different direction. There's a little too hard this way, right? Um, but I, I think this is, this is why. I think right in the middle of, of this passage, you notice that Jesus said some other things, too, in chapter 10. Uh, Yes, he said, go and stand before the court, but I will give you the words. Yes, go and many won't accept you, but I will accept you. He says, even the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. 
because you're worth more to God than many uh, sparrows. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father. And as you read this chapter, you notice that, yes, Jesus asks for a, he asks for a lot. He sets uh, his, what he thinks his disciples capable are capable of is way up here. Uh, but he doesn't send them to do it on their own. In fact, uh, he, he tells them that he's going to be right there with them in anything they ask, uh, he asks them to do. He's right there with them. Jesus had a really high uh, challenge for his disciples. He had really high expectations, but those expectations don't crush them because he coupled it with really high love. And I don't just mean love like a nice, warm feeling towards his disciples that like Jesus, like, oh, my disciples, the people that follow me, they're great guys. No, uh, Jesus used a a personal, uh, powerful, working in the moment kind of love. Not only does he send them on a high challenge, he walks with them every step of the way, a high support. And it made all the difference. And if you read uh, scripture and you hear the stories of people that have followed Jesus in some of these incredibly difficult situations, all of them have stories about how God held on to them and got them through things they never thought they would get through. All of them have stories of times that even though they, they failed, God was right there to forgive them and build them back up. Even Peter turned his back on Jesus and Jesus uh, doesn't tell him it's, it's okay to deny him. He says, I forgive you. I'll work on you. Uh, It made all the difference. It's this combination of an incredibly high challenge. Jesus asked for a ton, but he loves them, and that's why he asks. I think um, many of us today, um, people of faith, and I include myself in this, um, we, we kind of look for, if Jesus offers high challenge and high love, I think we look for the opposite in our relationship with God. And, I, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, too. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get us very far. I think we come to this weird deal where we say, okay, God, I'll believe in you in my heart, you know, and, and I'll, I'll believe that you exist, and I'll, and I'll go to church, and I'll do some spiritual stuff that I think is probably important or good for me. Um, but, but kind of the deal is this, like, okay, God, I'll believe in you, and I won't ask very much of you. I won't ask you to, to work in these situations. I'll just ask that you kind of hold on to me after I die. I'll ask that when things are really bad, I might pray to you and ask you for something, Lord. But for the most part, you know, I'll, I won't ask much from you, God, as long as, as you don't ask very much from me. Um, we come to this weird deal that's like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll believe in you, but as long as you don't ask too much of me, I won't ask too much of you. And we just kind of get through this life on this kind of uh, middle place. Um, and, and it feels okay, but, but we actually miss out on what the gospel is because that's not the deal that Jesus offers. Jesus offers all of himself for all of us. Uh, the way that it's, it's been in my head this week is, is this, is that God wants more from me than I think I'm capable of giving. God wants to use you in ways that are bigger than you think are possible. He wants to call you into difficult situations and places of great need that are, are tough. And if, you, and if he wrote down a list of all the things he wanted to do in your life, you'd look at that and you'd say, that is impossible, Lord. Uh, but I think God wants more from you than you think you're capable of. I really do. 
But he also loves you more than he th- you think he's capable of. He loves you more than you can understand. Another way to put this is God wants more from us because he wants more for us. He wants to work and transform us into the people that he designed us to be. Because you see, um, God didn't stay in, in heaven. He didn't stay in heaven. He doesn't sit in heaven and beam down expectations to us. Uh, he doesn't sit up there and say, okay, are they going to follow? Are they going to not? And then either do the things that we humans do, right? He doesn't sit there waiting for us to step out of the line so he can smash us. But he also doesn't uh, drop the bar down so that it's not a big deal. Instead, what Jesus did was he got down on earth with us. When God looked down on his creation and saw that we couldn't possibly live up to what God wanted for us and the people that he made us to be, instead of condemning us or instead of changing his expectations, he came down to earth and lived and died so that we might live. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us so that we might be made new. God offers the highest challenge, but the highest grace and love. He asks for everything, but he offers it too. And in my life, I've found all the time that when I go where God calls, he, he shows up. Even when I don't think it's possible. Even when I can't imagine a positive situation coming out of this. When I go where God calls and I really listen to what he says, he shows up in ways I can't possibly expect. So I don't know um, where you're at with this. I don't know if, if this passage bothers you as much as it bothers me. I don't know what you're going through or, or what God might be calling you to right now. But if you take him up on it, he'll be right there with you in ways you can't imagine. So maybe um, you've never answered um, that first call to faith. Maybe you've never answered that call to come and rest, that call to free grace where, where Jesus came and died so that we might hold on to him, so he'll hold on to us um, because of the free grace of his son. Maybe you've never accepted that. Maybe um, you have, and you're a Christian, and you've you said, Lord, forgive me what I've done, make me new, but you've never ever changed much. Maybe God is asking you to, to follow him in a way um, that you're not ready to follow. Maybe you're hearing God's voice and you do that thing that we do where you sort of put it on silent or ignore it and move on. Maybe God's asking something from you and you're refusing to think about it because you don't want to answer it. Maybe you did answer a call and you're a few steps down the road and it's really hard and the crazy stuff is happening and you don't know what to do and you're wondering if God is there with, uh, with you. But remember, wherever you are, that God can do so much more in and through you than you think is possible, and he loves you so much more than you can imagine. As we approach the table, let's listen for the voice of his Holy Spirit. His Spirit is speaking to us. Will we accept his challenge and call along with his love, support, and grace? As we come to the table, I encourage you to use this time to do business with your maker. He's calling you. It won't be easy, but he will be there holding on you today and tomorrow and forever. There's more. Let's pray. Lord God, you made each and every one of us by hand. You created us. You gave us gifts. You gave us a, a 
responsibilities and love for other people. You put us in families and in places. And you love us. You sent your son to die for us so that we might live and be made new and set free. And so, Lord, if we just ask today that you would accept us as we are, that we'd put our faith in you and in your death and resurrection, remembering that you love us too much to leave us the way that we are. Help us to listen for your voice and follow faithfully and know that when we go out on a limb, you're holding on to us. As we come to the table today, Lord, uh, prepare our hearts uh, for what we might hear from you. Sustain us with your body and blood so that we might live out the incredible call that you've placed on our lives. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.